Please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, which is found on page 723 of the Bible in the pews. Following the reading of God's Word, we will sing the Gloria Patri, which is printed in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. Hear the Word of the Lord. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. 
This is the word of God. Praise be to God. Last week I said that one of the ways to understand the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that they are about the fulfillment of God's promises. Another way to understand the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that they're about the coming of God's kingdom, the coming of His kingdom. What's so interesting about the Gospel of Luke in particular is that nobody expects God's kingdom to come in the way that it does. The people you would expect that would usher in the kingdom, the religious insiders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and people like them, they're the ones who are the bad people. And the good people are people who are the outcasts of society, those who are weak, those who are lepers, or those who are unclean, the tax collectors, people like them. They're the ones who are being first, coming in first to God's kingdom. This morning, we have the opportunity to see the kingdom coming through a very young girl named Mary. I just want to say from the very beginning that people will read the Gospels and think, Isn't, aren't these nice little stories? Isn't this a wonderful, nice, cute story about Mary? But they don't derive any benefit. But the purpose is that you, like Mary, would have the same kind of faith that she exhibits. The purpose is that you would have the same kind of joy that Mary has. And that joy that she has that causes her to sing is the same joy that is available to you through faith in Christ. Mary tells us two things this morning that I would like us to consider. First, how to surrender our life. Second, how to sing. First, how to surrender. And second, how to sing. So first, how to surrender. Mary would have been probably no more than 14 or 15 years old when this event happens. She was pledged to be married to Joseph. It would have been a good catch for Mary. Joseph was of the line of David. He would have been an eligible bachelor. She was probably a peasant girl, and in verse 26 it says that she's from Nazareth in Galilee. The reason Luke says Galilee is because people didn't know where Nazareth was. It was a no-name place. Kent Hughes, one of the commentators of this passage, says that Mary was a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. She was nobody. But in God's kingdom, he can use nobodies like her. Then the last thing that she expected happened to her. It doesn't say what she was doing. Perhaps she was doing chores or something like that around the house. And the angel Gabriel appears to her. She's troubled by this. By the way, anybody who sees an angel is afraid. That's normal. But consider what this angel says to her, this spectacular news, news that is greater than any other news that she could have possibly imagined. Verse 31 says this, You will be with a child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be called Great he will be great, called the Son of the Most High. And down in verse 35, it says that the baby to be born will be called the Son of God. Wow. That term, Most High God, was used 
throughout the Old Testament to refer to God himself. In Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek blesses Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high. The same word here. Of course, in the original it was Hebrew, but here it's Greek. And he then says, And blessed be God most high. This is the same God that has come to be born inside Mary's womb. He will be called the Son of God. Now, just to give you a, a indication of how mind-blowing this would have been, it took the church about 400 years to really confirm what Scripture teaches here. In 431 A.D., in the Council of Ephesus, the church declared, which was scriptural, that Mary was the mother of God. You can call Mary the bearer of God. You can say that truly and biblically. It was an astonishing, astonishing thing. I don't know any young girl who would be able to fathom it. Of course, she is also going to be the mother of David. Or, you, sorry, David's great, 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 however many greats there were, grandson, his grandson. That's who would be born to her. So this son would be the human son and also a divine son, two natures united together into one person forever, the person that we call Jesus Christ. It would take a long time to really wrap your head around it around this. It would take the church a while to completely understand this. But in 2 Samuel, this is one of the promises given to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Your throne shall be established forever. Now we see that this divine son and this human son would be united together into the person of Jesus Christ. Naturally, she would have some questions. How can this be since I'm a virgin? I don't think that this is a question of doubt that's springing from doubts. I think this is a question springing from confusion. And now, Zechariah had a question that I think was a question of unbelief, but here, I think she's just overwhelmed and confused. How can this be? In verse 35, Gabriel says that it will be by the power of the Most High. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's an important word, overshadow. In the Old Testament, there was a general glory of God. If you read Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So everywhere around us declares God's glory, but there was a special kind of glory in the Old Testament. It was with God's people, particularly in the wilderness, in a pillar of fire and a cloud. It was called the Shekinah glory of God. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 35, we read that Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud overshadowed it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What this angel Gabriel is saying is that the Shekinah glory of God, this special presence of God, would come to be indwelled in the son that she would, be, that she would bear. 
He would be Emmanuel, God with us. He would tabernacle among us. By the way, as a quick aside, it is very important that we affirm that Jesus was born of a virgin because it means that we can be saved from our sin. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he would have shared in the guilt of Adam. He would have had a fallen human nature. The reason he was conceived by the power of the Spirit is because he would have a human nature that was not fallen, truly human, and yet not fallen. And that is necessary for us to be saved. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let me consider for a minute with you why this might not have been a very good thing for Mary. Because she lived in a traditional, paternalistic society, in a very small town, she would have been known and she would have been the subject of gossip, most likely. Mary's with child? Who's the father? Is Joseph the father? Is it not Joseph? Then who is it? Jesus may have even been seen by some as an illegitimate child. It threatened to bring her disgrace. Whatever dreams that she might have had with Joseph and the future of Joseph, at this point, now we know that an angel will appear to Joseph, but at this point, the dreams would have been put in jeopardy. Her relationship with Joseph would have been put in jeopardy. We also know that it would be a burden in some ways because she would eventually one day look upon her son as he would be nailed to a cross. It would be a terrible sight for any mother to see. For all of those reasons, Mary's response in verse 38 is very commendable. Look with me in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's quite commendable, given all of the uncertainty that this news would have put her in. Very commendable. It illustrates to us I think, an important point. We are not told what her thinking was. We're just told what her words were. But I, I can imagine, perhaps, that her thinking went like this. An angel just appeared to me and said, you who are highly favored. And if I have the favor of God, if I have his commendation, then it doesn't matter what the world thinks about me. It doesn't matter what anyone else, what the town thinks about me. It doesn't even matter what Joseph thinks about me. There's a phrase that says, the the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. The praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. Here the Most High God sends his angel Gabriel. The Most High God who's infinitely praiseworthy appears in an angel, through an angel, to Mary and says, through Gabriel, you're highly favored. She has the praise of God himself, and if she has his praise, then it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And by the way, are you able to trust in the same way that she did? See, you're being put to the test too. The test for you is this. Is God's favor in Jesus Christ enough for you? Are you able to trust in him? 
in whatever uncertainty he puts your life in, with whatever news, whatever bad, terrible circumstances he brings your way, are you able to trust in the Lord? Are you able to trust in the Lord? Mary tells us not only how to surrender, but also how to sing. How to sing. She processes what has been spoken to her by this angel in verses 39 through 45. Because in these verses, Mary goes to Elizabeth to confirm what has been told to her by an angel. Elizabeth, of course, confirms this. Verse 43, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth says that you're blessed, and she calls the son in her womb, my Lord. Elizabeth gets it. She believes. She commends Mary, too, in verse 45, blessed is she who has believed. Blessed is she who has believed. And of course, the lesson for you and I is that we are to have the kind of faith and the kind of belief that Mary had in the spite of whatever doubts and uncertainties there might have been. We're to have faith, the same kind of faith. This would, of course, have been a very somewhat embarrassing, I think, for Zechariah, who Zechariah would have been there and he wouldn't have been able to say anything because he didn't believe. But Mary did. And by the way, in verses 41 and verse 44, this is not the, the, the overall message, but it talks about John the Baptist leaping in the womb of Elizabeth. I think this is an indication that the Bible teaches the personhood of those who are inside the womb. John the Baptist is capable of joy. He leaps for joy in verse 45, uh, excuse me, 44. He leaps for joy. But then in verses 46 through 55, Mary sings. It says at the very end that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months, so probably she was processing all of this. She was trying to come to grips with what it all meant. Then we're given a beautiful song, a beautiful song. And there are three things in this song that I think you need to understand if you are to sing like Mary. Here's the first thing. It comes out in verses 52 and 53. The first thing is this, that in God's kingdom, he brings those who are low in the eyes of the world up. Verse 52 says that he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He's brought the low up. And of course, we see this throughout the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he's despised in the eyes of men. And yet, he repents of his sin, and the Lord praises him. Consider Joseph. Joseph was brought very low. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison. He went down, down, down. He was forgotten when he was in prison. You couldn't get lower than Joseph. And yet, what does God do? God brings Joseph to the right hand of Pharaoh. Or Jonah. Jonah was brought low. 
He rebelled against God. He disobeyed. He was thrown into an ocean. He went down, 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 even into the belly of the great fish. But then what happened? He surrendered his life. And and metaphorically speaking, he was raised again. Here, Mary is clinging to the promises of God regardless of the circumstances. And the point is this, that no matter what low circumstance that God brings you into, no matter what kind of pain and suffering, no matter what kind of economic poverty or condition that he puts you in, these things can, in God's kingdom, be redeemed. They can be used for your good. They can be used for God's glory. And that really brings us to the second thing that this song teaches us, and that is that whatever is given to you by God will be used for your good. Mary has just been given the news that she will bear God, the Son of God. She sings here, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my Savior, You might be thinking, yeah, well, you know, Mary, she was the mother of Jesus. Come on, she has reason to sing. What has God given me? You might be thinking that. But consider this. Do you realize that you will never bear the physical body in your womb like Mary did, but God has given you the same gift and substance? He's given you Christ. He's given you the substance that was given to Mary. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the same glorious gift of God himself has been given to you and has dwelled in you by his spirit. And if that's not something that brings you to your knees in prayer and and in joy, it floors me. It floors me. The same gift given to Mary is given to you in Christ. And this gift in Christ is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. That's what he's up to. The King of kings and the Lord of lords in his kingdom has decided to make a dwelling in you. And he's going about renovating the life that you live for his glory. That's what he's up to. And so you ought to be able to sing in the same way. And the way, the attitude that should be given to you is this, the same attitude, I think, that Mary has. Why me? Why is it that the Son of God would be given to me? Why is it that Christ in the gospel would come to me, who's full of sin and who occupies a very low position, a nothing position. Who am I that the gospel would go to me? Have you been able to say that in your life? Are you able to say, how is it that God would look upon me? And the answer, of course, is this. It is nothing in you that has moved God to give you Christ. There is nothing in you, just like there was nothing in Mary. Mary was a no one. And yet, God bestowed favor and grace on her. Do you know God wants to do the same in your life? He wants to bestow grace in your life? Are you able to say, why me? Here's the third thing that we can learn 
And it comes out also in verses 52 and 53, and that is that in God's kingdom, the way up is the way down. He sent the rich away empty. How many people want to be rich in our world today? Everybody wants to be rich. It's the American dream. Everyone wants to be rich. But in God's kingdom, it's not fulfilling. What's really fulfilling is to be hungry with the good things that God has sent. That's really what Scripture's teaching is. It's not that the world can offer us something that we're missing. It's that only God can offer us something and that unless you're put in a position in which you cry out to God for rescue, you're, una- you're unable to see it. Are you able to see it? Are you able to sing with Mary, praise the Lord because he's, he's given me something that satisfies my hunger. It satisfies my thirst. It satisfies me in spite of whatever challenging circumstances he's put in me. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have someone who would go lower than even Joseph or Jonah or Mary. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the most high God who was brought most low. He went down further than Jonah. He went down to the the wrath of God. As Mary would say, let it be according to your word, consider that Jesus Christ, though he knew what he was going to get, said, not my will, Lord, but what you, you will. And on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin in order that you wouldn't have to, in order that you could have the joy that Mary had, in order that you could have the kind of certainty in the midst of whatever challenging circumstances come. He went to the cross in order that you could have God's favor because he was forsaken. Do you know that? Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of my most favorite pictures, which is a very gut-wrenching picture, I hope it's appropriate for, uh, for, for the pulpit, but there's a moment in, I like to read literature, Les Miserables, where Fantine wants to take care of her daughter, but she can't take care of her daughter without tremendous cost to her own life. And there's a moment, not in the film, I don't think, but in the book, where she actually has to take part of her teeth and sell them for the sake of her child. And of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have someone who went through much worse than that for you and I. We have a servant much greater than Mary. We have a servant who went through much, much more darkness than what she went through, much more darkness than anybody went through. Do you know what Jesus Christ went through for you? And if you, if you don't, then you will never be able to sing. You will never be able to sing with the kind of joy that Mary had. I want you to sing with the kind of joy that Mary had. And by God's grace, you are able to, but not without faith in the Lord Jesus. Not without faith. In a moment, we are going to sing, It is well with my soul. It is well was composed by Horatio Spafford after his four daughters were drowned um, in a shipwreck. I think it's just another evidence that 
by God's Spirit and according to His grace, alive today, that you too can sing, no matter what you go through. You can have the same joy that Mary had. You can have the same gift that Mary had in Christ. So won't you sing with me today? Won't you put your faith in the Lord Jesus today? Please, I beg you, do so with me today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cost of our salvation that was given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in your kingdom, people who are sinful, like me, like us, can be highly favored. We thank you that our sins can be wiped away and that because of the favor that you have bestowed upon Jesus Christ, you can bestow that same favor on us. We praise you that the same gift that was given to Mary in physical form is now given to us, Christ, the Lord Jesus, through his spirit that dwells in us. I pray that you would work in us your glory, your special glory, the presence of God, and that when we enter into the presence of those who don't know you, Lord, that they too would have a taste of the joy that Mary had, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. May we partake of that and taste it and embody it, all for the glory of Jesus Christ and for, Lord, our humility. Lord, make us low in this life so that in your kingdom we can bear fruit for your glory and honor. We pray this all in the great name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.